grief work is an individual process. It's not one size fits all. Yeah. It's important to note that what's intrinsically human is our need to grieve. Mm. All of us, we all need to let whatever emotions we're having come to bear. Yes. It's the only way for our bodies to go forward, to, for our minds, our bodies, our brains to literally go forward. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the One Mind Meditation Podcast. My name is Morgan Dix, and this is a show about meditation, mindfulness, and health. So welcome to Episode 71 with Dr. Jennifer Walken. I'm super excited to share this conversation with Dr. Walken. And before we jump into the show, I just want to remind everybody that the One Mind Podcast is part of the pod Podcastica Podcast Network. And you can check that out over at podcastica.com. Okay, back to today's show. So it's a great one. It's topical. It's relevant. We are exploring Dr. Wolkin's five steps for mindful grieving. So Jen is a close friend of mine. She's a psychologist, a writer, a speaker, and a professor. This is her second time on the show. Just to give you a little bit of her background, she graduated with highest honors from Queens College, City University of New York, and she then earned a PhD in psychology with a behavioral health emphasis from Foucault Graduate School of Psychology at Albert Einstein College of Medicine, Yeshiva University, and subsequently she completed her postdoc fellowship in clinical neuropsychology at Harvard medical school. So Jen is really qualified to talk to us about grieving and in particular mindful grieving. And today Jen shares her five steps for mindful grieving and I found them very illuminating and I think you're going to find them very illuminating and very helpful. And in particular I say that because grieving I think for a lot of us is challenging. It's a very challenging thing to embrace especially If you're American, and I know not everyone listening to this is American, but in America, we don't have necessarily cultural spaces that permit or encourage us to grieve. And it can be challenging, but it's so important. It's important to process our grief, for us to move forward, for us to integrate our feelings, to process them. Grief is so critical. And mindfulness can play such a powerful role in helping us do that. So this is the topic of today's show. This is what Jen and I really dive into. We have a conversation about that. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this show with Dr. Jennifer Walken. Jen, welcome back to the show. I'm really delighted to have you back on here. And we've been trying to do this for a while, so I'm stoked that we finally made it happen. Me too. Thank you so much, Morgan. I love being here, as you know. Yes. Fantastic. Today, we're going to talk about mindful grieving. It's a big topic, obviously, and something that you and I have touched on multiple times in different ways, kind of lightly, but we've wanted to have uh, an opportunity and create a container, a conversation where we could really go more deeply into it. So that's really what we're going to be talking about today. And 
as you have said, this is going to be a conversation and an exploration. And we are going to eventually hit on your kind of five core mindful approaches to grieving, but we're going to, we're going to get there organically. So, um, fantastic. I'm very excited. Thank you, Morgan. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, it's just, I think we can't deny this anymore. We can't deny creating this container and talking about it. Like you said, we've delved, but not really. And the grief, I don't know about you, but it just feels like so much right now for so many of us. Yes. And I think it's a really nice time to kind of talk about this together. Yeah. And and the genesis, everyone, for Jen and I hopping on this interview together this conversation was really everything uh, jen recently wrote a fantastic blog post on huffpo about mindful grieving and we we said okay let's let's use this and and as a springboard for the conversation and and of course the catalyst for that unfortunately was the shootings in orlando and i think obviously in that was implicit in what you were just saying. It's it's a good time for us to be talking about it, but that's obviously emblematic. It's emblematic of a much larger picture of events in our common collective life, our media sphere and world, which are. I like how you put that. It's so true. Yeah. And, well, and thank you. And it increasingly just overwhelming, horrific, and we're. It, the internet has shrunk our world so that everything feels very close. The degrees of separation are less and less. So in some ways we're all much more connected to these events than ever in history. It, it, it used to take weeks, if not months, if not years for the kind of news to travel across the ocean and across the land. But now it all happens in real time. It, you know, as you have people in situations like this, posting the tragedy to social media. So it's like, we don't yet, I wonder if, for example, we just don't yet have the coping mechanisms, skills, tools to really catch up with this completely new world we're living in emotionally, because in, in so many ways, this it, it requires a certain... Um, well, there's, of course, this process of grieving, which has an arc in which, you know, we we need to engage with when things like this happen, but they're, they're coming in such quick succession. Can you just yeah. speak to, just speak to, I think, for, for us, one, maybe a little bit about the, your impulse to write this article about grieving, how you see grieving right now in our kind of collective um, you know, mind shared mind space as a society and a culture, but then uh, you know, just the, yeah. the central kind of importance of it for all of us. And I know that's it's a huge place to begin. You can pick anywhere on the line, but maybe just yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts somewhere, and then you'll jump in and let's see. But um, yeah. the first thing that comes to mind though, when you say it, when you you know contextualize the question that way is this collective grief experience yeah. that I think, right, we're all just coming into vis-a-vis -vis this new world of so social media where the information is so overwhelming. Yeah. And I think we're, as, an, as a people, we're figuring out what that means. How do we grieve together? How do we grieve 
so publicly. <laughs> um, there are so many aspects that I could touch into. But I think what strikes me, though, is that grief is one of those things that are so elusive. Mm. And what really is it, right? What is grief? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. When I was in school for my PhD, <laughs> right, grief was, um, we tried to you know, categorize grief in the context of the diagnostic statistical manual of, you know, disorders, a DSM, yeah. you know, for those out there, the, the Bible of <laughs> psychological study or whatnot. Um, you know, so we were told that you have six months to grieve before and before it becomes something a little bit more complicated than grief. So <laughs> you have six months and based on the severity after six months, you know, we'll know if a person has, um, you know, healed um, enough. <laughs> At least that's what I took from it. Yeah. And in my own mindfulness journey and in my own practice with clients, I, I see how troublesome that is, right, to put grief in any way into a category or into a box. Yeah. Um, because... I don't think it can be. So, of course, there was Dr. Kubler-Ross. Mm -hmm. She wrote on death and dying, and she had, you know, the different stages of grief, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And, you know, we'll probably talk more about that. Yeah. I think what happens is that people then get stuck to that and, and, and kind of feel like, well, where am I now in the, in the grief process and where am I now as opposed to a more mindful approach which is kind of just being wherever you are in grief mm. so yeah I don't think even Dr. Ross meant for these to kind of become so prescriptive right. and right. I think it's important to just remember what grief is and, and isn't right I mm -hmm. think by this old school way we're meant to feel that it's a one-size-fits-all kind of process. And yeah. I think that's the farthest from the truth. And I think that's important as a, in our collective grief to understand because, especially on social media, it's so... I mean, this doesn't... <laughs> this isn't ex exclusive to the grief process. On social media, we just... There's so much comparison going on. It's scary when it comes to grief because I think we we feel that there's if this person's grieving this way, why aren't we grieving this way? Or, yes. oh, this person is posting this angry post or against the shootings, but this person is kind of numb to it. And this person is, you know, the words are so jumbled, it seems like the emotions are so overwhelming. And it's, that's the thing. And grief work is an active and individualized process. But yet, in some ways, we do have to come together and and mourn and grieve collectively. So I think that's kind of just the beginning of that question of, okay, so how do we navigate that? That's very interesting. So you had written that in the most basic level, Dr. Kubler-Ross described grief as an emotional response to loss and that that is usually some sort of profound loss uh, obviously, loss of a loved one, loss, loss of life. And then, of course, when a lot of people die at the same time, that's very traumatic. And, and grieving, grieving is our response to the trauma of that loss. 
and it's an emotional response. And so I think one, one thing that's interesting to me, I wonder what you think about this is like sometimes, so part, part of what I got from what you just said is like an important first step is to just be where you are in the grieving process not to compare yourself to other people, not to put yourself on this six month continuum exactly. or, or spectrum, you know, not just to actually be where you are. And as, as we both know, that can be actually pretty challenging, but with some effort and uh, sensitivity and also through the steps that you talk about, it's possible to, to, become conscious or mindful I, and i wonder if this is just a just such a it's such a basic thing but seems also so important is just to in a certain way acknowledge that you're grieving to just realize oh i'm in a process here grieving is a process that process as you were saying it moves at a different pace for everybody it's not as you were saying and as the old what you are alluding to is the kind of old school way is like a cookie cutter approach. No, we're saying it's actually incredibly individualistic, shaped by all the different factors in the individual's life and their own emotional intelligence, their own ability to emotionally metabolize different events and even be able to have a certain level of self-understanding and expression because of expression obviously is an important way of also metabolizing that grief, processing that grief. For me personally, I know that one of the more traumatic events in my life when I experienced a very profound loss was when my spiritual community dissolved, and that was about three years ago. I didn't realize, it took me about two years to realize, two years I would say, that I was grieving. And I didn't know that. There were, of course, now in retrospect, the signs were like, all, they were written in like red paint all over the walls. And what but, finally, finally elicited that awareness for I, you? I started to go to, I, well, because uh, I was just crying all the time uncontrollably and I didn't seem to have any control. Yeah, I didn't have control over it. It was like, thank God, in a certain way, my heart was just using whatever trigger it could find to express. Mm the grief that was stored up in there. And so it could be a silly YouTube cartoon. I mean, it, it didn't really matter. It could, anything that was even vaguely sentimental or had certainly anything that had to do with sort of loss or victory, and I would just come apart. And it really could be the smallest things, but I just start to cry. And, and the thing is, for me, there was a uh, part of what, what was I think hard about that was I try I didn't I wasn't consciously engaged with it. I wasn't actively engaged with it. I was trying to keep it down. But I didn't know that until I and so when I was when that started to happen again and again, I was like I need to talk to somebody. I need to talk to a therapist. So I started to go to like a body-based therapist and uh who who practices expressive arts therapy and something called uh, bioenergetics and to just her whole thing being, you know, uh, as you know, from, from, uh, vessel, vessel Vandercock's book, yes. um, you know, the body knows the score. Mm -hmm. She is very much all about like your trauma is in your body 
And my body was sending me a message and she helped me to understand that. And, you know, over time, through my conversations and the work with her, I started to understand, oh my God, I am in like in this very deep grieving process and I'm not, and I'm not engaged with it at all. I'm, I'm just trying to keep it all together and I'm not doing a very good job at it. It's starting to come out in ways that are, uh, they're yeah. not as healthy as they could be. So that, that's a long answer to your question. Yeah, no, of course. Thank you for sharing that. And sure, I honor that experience that you had. And I think what strikes me there is just such a good segue for what I wanted to say next yeah. is that you had said for a few years, I didn't know. And I almost tried to, um, what it sounded like you were saying was like, it was a, this stuckness because I tried to keep it in. And I think that's the part where, while I feel as though grief and grief work is an individual process, it's not one size fits all. Yeah. It's important to note that what's intrinsically human is our need to grieve. Mm. All of us, we all need to let whatever emotions we're having come to bear. Yes. It's the only way I think to get, you know, to sort of for our bodies to, um, to go forward to for our minds, our bodies, our brains to literally go forward. Um, even if you just look at it from a stress perspective, mm-hmm. grief is a stressor. And so it elicits this stress response and the pituitary gland to elicit hormones that tell the adrenal gland to elicit cortisol. Yeah. And I think if you don't grieve, you're just creating more and more stress in your body and susceptible to disease and illness Mm. and certainly not um, setting yourself up to go forward. Yeah. That that makes sense to me. Right. So while grief is an individual process, we all, all of us humans, psychologically speaking, would benefit from grieving. Yes. That makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, so there's so much to say about that because... I don't know how else to say this, but it's like grief gets a bad rap. And it's because, (laughs) especially in America, it's like, it's not really okay to be sad. You know, like, like the movie Inside Out. And I know you were so excited about that when it came out. (laughs) It, It actually, you know, for me, I was having that revelation of my own pro in my own process around the same time that movie came out. And I was like, huh. It is a really simple and profound truth that this movie is communicating. And, it, and it, mm. it seems like an important one in the West and probably even more particularly in America where there's such a kind of solution orientation. There's a, a kind of, a, I would say, a bias against experiencing a lot of these, what we're saying are very natural needs, like to grieve and to be sad. And it's not just an emotional need. It's a physical, uh, psychophysical, emotional, spiritual need. It's a holistic need. We need exactly what I was saying. Yeah. And that's what you're saying as human beings to, to be in a healthy whole way, we need to move through this process of grief because it's a, it's a very integrative and integrating experience. And it's, it's because there's, probably, and I don't know this scientifically, you could speak to that, but my sense is there's nothing it doesn't touch in us. And 
that's certainly been my experience. And, and so in that context, it's like, what do you, yeah, so what do you think about that? It just seems like I've heard, I have a, a buddy of mine, <clears throat> a Jew, he's a Jewish fellow, and he was saying, and I can't remember if we were just talking about because in the Jewish faith you have more of an explicit grieving period for when you lose people and you sit Shiva and there's like, it, it's really integrated into the culture, the grieving process, whereas mm-hmm. for a lot of, most of the people in our culture, not not quite so. And he was saying to me, he's like, yeah, grief is the, the white man's disease. This is what my buddy was saying to me. Mm. And I asked him, I was like, well, what about you? And he's like, well, as a Jew, it doesn't really, he's like, we, we, he's like, sure, but not in the same way. And, and he was just talking about how, how afflicted we are as a culture by, by really not having enough healthy, explicit processes around grief. I'm, mm-hmm. what, do, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I'm Jewish myself and, and very proud of it, of my heritage. I, yeah. I actually think, and this isn't um, my soapbox of yay Judaism, yeah. <laughs> um, because I'm, you know, love is love is love and people are people are people. It's just, this is my heritage, so I call upon it. Yeah. Um, and I know it best. Um, viscerally, I should say. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the things that Judaism does so well is the way it does deal with death and dying and mourning. Mm-hmm. And I think Shiva does create a container. But what's so extraordinary about it is that it might seem so prescriptive to many. Oh, you go, you have the funeral and you go to the graveside and then you get home and then your house just overflows with people day after day after day. But I, what I think is, though, it's it really can become this container to for someone to be held mm. and for them to be for the griever to surrender and allow themselves to just feel whatever they're feeling in any given moment because everything that um, every other need is taken care of for them besides yeah. right, you know their yeah. own hygiene. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to the bathroom, right? They are just literally given permission to sit. And histor- you know, it's um, on a lower chair. Um, usually, they're given permission to just sit and be as they are. There's no expectation of talking, of smiling, mm. just sitting there and allowing mourners to come. And I think, I think that's what I find so profound about it is that it's this permission to just here we're gonna we're gonna hold you, but we're not going to cling to you. We're just gonna create this safe space to allow yourself to feel whatever you're feeling with a sense of compassion and without judgment. And we're going to take care of the rest. Yeah, We'll feed you when you're hungry. Mm. When you want to go to sleep, we'll tell everyone who's still there, you know, that you want to rest. Just whatever it is you feel, you don't feel, just be. And I find that so exquisite. And just to keep going, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if that's okay, I Please. think. So part of that, so so that touches on my first point of grieving is that accepting your feelings and having the space to just feel them, whatever it is, even if at the moment it's no feeling, or let's say what we want to call a dissociation or a numbness. Mm. 
Um, but even just allowing yourself that too, without judgment. But then I also think Shiva in particular, and I, um, I don't mean to make this about, you know, Jewish mourning, but just as a context, I think what it does so well is also that if you want, you can also express your feelings. And I think just as important as accepting your feelings is also having a way to express them that's helpful to you. Um, So, you know, showing pictures to people, um, talking about it. And also then my next step, which is reaching out. So you, you don't have to reach out, but if you want to, we're here. Yeah. And I usually what happens is that there's this balance of, um, you know, this personal grief and then being able to reach out Mm -hmm. to those who are supportive or even other grievers. So finding that balance between being with yourself and being with others, right? Yes. And everyone, those are, to make it explicit, those are three of the five main mindful grieving approaches that Jen talks about, accepting your feelings, expressing your feelings, and then reaching out. And just to quickly riff on some of that, and as you, cause you said, great. So like you said, you know, no matter kind of what your feelings are and like, you know, you can express that in so many different ways, but I know for myself, like one of the fruits for me of the, the therapeutic work that I've been doing is I mean, for me, really, it still is like just crying and crying openly. And I think for me, that has become like, it's become an incredible source of just relief physically, emotionally, mentally, like psychologically. When I, And, you know, it's, to be honest, it's pretty rare that I'll go more than a day or two without having a good cry. And to be honest, and I, and I don't know if you find this, but it's like, it, number one, I I always feel better. I feel, and I and I feel better in every way. I feel like clean. I feel like I've been mm-hmm. washed clean when I cry. And it and and there's also something about it. It's like it kind of connects you to your own humanity. It's like the opposite of feeling down, as it were. It's just I feel like something just moving through me, and it needs to move through me, and that's the way it's moving through me. And it's all. I mean, and it and I wonder if you like, so, so there's that. And there's also this sense that when I cry like that, the experience is such that it, it's like everything flows through that. It's not anymore that I'm grieving about this or that. It's, there's just, there's just a well of feeling there. And it needs expression and often. Exactly. Yeah. It needs to come out. Can you imagine keeping that? all that in no, whatever is coming I can, out. Can you I imagine? <laughs> right. Ex- right. Exactly. You can imagine. Yeah. It, it, it's so important. I mean, I think it's important because you, you know, if you don't express it then you don't have, you can't even begin to talk about it. You can't access it. You can't. And like, you know, it's an interesting thing. Cause it's like, well, if you don't express it, Morgan, I think you begin to, and sorry to interrupt, you begin to cause yourself harm. Yeah, for sure. So yes, I think that's exactly right. And you know, then then it's very interesting. You can extrapolate in a lot of directions in terms of a lot of the disease that we have in our world, a lot of the the kind of things like cancer. You go to some of these like really intense uncurable diseases and and you see like, well, 
is there an underlying deeper issue in our culture, in our kind of collective being that's giving rise to this pathological expression in ourselves? And is something blocked, for example? And like you think about grief and you think about exactly what you were saying, like that you start to do harm to yourself if you don't give, find a way, a healthy mode of expression then it does make me think about that. It makes me think that there's going to be a, eventually there's going to be a physical manifestation of this one way or another. And, and I really, I just instinctively know that's true. And I, I agree with you. I just think that also it, it becomes a very deeply ingrained pattern that's hard, becomes harder and harder to break. And I know, I mean, one thing I think is just after a lifetime of not grieving, it feels really good to grieve. Catharsis. Yeah. I think it's extraordinarily healthy. And like you were saying, the when I cry, it's it's the most intimate I am with myself mm-hmm. and the most connected I feel. And it's kind of I know I have this like knowing yeah. of my sense of self in that moment. And um yeah my own aliveness kind of comes to bear. Mm -hmm. And often when I can cry, I yearn for it. Mm. I think it's so healthy. And I think you're right in this, we're often told how we should be, right? You should grieve this way. You should grieve that way. You should feel this. You shouldn't feel this. And I think whenever that happens, right, that's difficult because especially with grief, it's like you said, I think it, there's this, I think it can become so entrenched Mm. in literally our cellular level. Yeah. So that at some point, right. And then I think it becomes harder and harder and harder to kind of, and to kind of elicit what needs to come out. Yeah. And it does, I think, leave us susceptible for diseases yeah. of mind, of body, of soul, yeah. whatever it is. So Yeah. Dis I mean I always think about that, like dis ease being mm-hmm. if you break that word down, then you know, that's that's a kind of when you're blo- that's a, you know, it's a perfect description if you've got this well of feeling and emotion, which is your deepest connection to certain to loss and to trauma, that expresses itself as a dis-ease and yeah anyways but I would love to to keep going and hear the additional points of mindful grieving sure yeah so I think continuing to take care of yourself and others so is my next point and I think I, I say this exactly for that reason I think just we need to grieve yeah. As humans, as humans. But it's also the most, one of the most difficult things. It's like I wrote, scaling a mountain. It's, I mean, grief could be so draining and exhausting and overwhelming, which is why some people try to bypass it. Mm. Um, but because it is, a lot of people, right, a lot of um, important, you know, things go by the wayside. But yeah it's important to continue to eat, to continue to exercise and maintain a wellness practice. Again, not being hard on oneself, but 
to the extent possible, right? Just yeah. nurturing, continue to nurture oneself, even if, um, even if eating takes all your energy, at least just put something in your mouth for, to, to nurture it, uh, to nurture yourself, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And then I think to celebrate life, and I think it's important through the grief process um, to grieve, but also just reflect on um, on the going forward. Yeah, if that makes sense. Definitely. And I mean, there are so many other things that I could say that just felt right to me in order mm-hmm. to, I can go on six and seven and eight, but, um, that just kind of felt right. Yeah. I like celebrate life. I mean, it continue, obviously it's the, the kind of self care you're talking about is crucial and, and important just obviously to just, you know, functionally it's important, but also in healing it's, a, it's, it's obviously really important, but I, I like celebrating life because there's something so fundamentally connected to what we're talking about because often what we're grieving is some kind of loss of life. And, mm. and I know for, for myself, you know, part of the grieving process, you, you come to peace with what's happened and you can, on some level, in yourself and you know, grief stirs up a lot, right? You can, there's challenging emotions, as you said, to deal with. You might encounter like self-loathing, you might encounter despair, you might encounter emotions that most of the time you just, you're, you're steering away from at all costs. And it's exhausting then, as you said, to kind of like be, to actually be with those, at least in the beginning, I think that's really true. And, but I think there's like a, a process as we've been talking about in grief, which can really bring you so much more deeply into life. Yes. And, and that's, I think, really why I like that you kind of conclude the five points of mindful grieving with celebrate life. Because I know if, for me that, that really, I think, rings true because I think we're talking about deeper grieving is in certain ways all about just coming into a deeper connection with the life process anyways. And it's all about life. It's all about the poignancy and also the delicacy of life and ourselves and our relationships and how, you know, it it exposes us, you know, we're so vulnerable and grief puts you right into like face to face with that vulnerability. And in a way, I think grief is the essence of mindfulness in Mm. some ways. Mm. And because Right. And let me just quote Ramdas, who I am such a fan of, thanks to you. Mm. Um, when I had lost a friend this October, um, you sent me his teachings, mm. and which helped me so much. And I recently re- re-listened to it. And it really struck me because what he said was, the appreciation of death and the spiritual journey after death is the prerequisite for living life joyfully now, mm. right? And also that death does not have to be treated as an enemy for you to delight in life, right? But keeping death present in your consciousness is one of the greatest 
as one of the greatest mysteries. Yeah. And as a moment of incredible transformation imbues this moment with added richness. Yeah. And I think the mindfulness, what is it? It's living consciously on purpose um, with greater awareness without judgment. And I think there's nothing like grief and death and mourning that brings that moment in this present moment into consciousness. Yeah. If that makes sense. It definitely does. Dealing with mortality and eternity, like these things, they really just plunge us into the present moment so powerfully. And they awaken, they awaken our consciousness to everything you said, the, the sensitivity, the vibrancy, the delicacy of life. You, you know, you're just more awake when you're aware that you just don't take it for granted in the same way. And you, you're just awake to the poignancy and I could not agree more. There's this guy, this homeless guy. I don't know if he's homeless or, but when we moved to Jamaica Plain, there's this guy named Bob and he's clearly kind of got a mental illness and he'll walk the street and, we, and my wife and I are in a cafe couple years ago and he walks in and he just starts saying time travel time travel and he's he's like announcing it to everyone in the cafe mm. as if this is the answer to everything you know and it's he's just kind of looking at everyone and like you're like all right he's definitely got a you know he's not all there right but so over like the next two years i would just see him around and he'd always be kind of muttering like uh some sort of mantra which was like the thing and I kind of befriended him and I would give him money like when I'd see him on the street. And I don't, I mean, that's not really, I don't tend to give money out to people and he he doesn't ask for it, but he always gladly mm. accepts it. And, uh, but I have a soft spot for this guy now. And so I saw him the other day and he was like picking through the trash. I was like, Bob. And I gave him the money I had and and I was just like, do you remember me? I'm Morgan. And he's like, no. And we shook hands and, you know, we're on our way. And then I was just walking away and then I just started bawling. And it was like, I'm not a particularly generous guy. I'm stingy. I'm not like, and I don't want to give the audience the wrong impression that I'm like this beneficent dude. It's not me. Okay. And, but also don't give them the opposite. You're I, I, quite well, generous. I, Let's okay. go forward. Fair <laughs> enough. But like, I, I'm not like... I'm no saint, and no one is, but so, but it, it, it was like, it was that, there was something about the connection and the poignancy of giving in that moment that undid me. It just unstrung me, and like, it wasn't, an, it, 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 there was something, and it, it was related to what you're talking about, the, just the poignancy of life. I felt just the connection that opened up in that moment through the act of giving to Bob, also the tenuousness of all of it, the kind of just the, the stream of life and everyone on the continuum and, and it hit so hard and it was everything we're talking about in that moment and it was the grief, but not in any way that I would say was negative. It was a lot closer to this celebratory. And I know that's kind of sounds weird, like celebrating through crying, but that is more what it felt no, like. It's it doesn't just, to me sound yeah. weird at all. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. Mm. This noticing the, the profundity of the moment. Yeah, uh, absolutely. 
Well, I know we're getting to the the kind of conclusion here of our conversation. We got to wrap it up, but did you want to say any like any kind of final points or reflections at this point just on grieving and or also for our audience like for people who may be struggling with this struggling with grief like what would you say to them i think the number one thing to remember is that as long as you're not harming yourself or someone else there's no right or wrong way to grieve to just allow yourself to feel whatever it is even if it even if you're feeling nothing, just allow yourself to feel or not feel in any given moment with compassion and with judgment, without judgment, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And that I don't think that there's a cure necessarily, right? I don't think there is anything to cure. Mm-hmm. I think grief is a natural, very natural and human reaction to loss. And it's going to be different for everyone. And while there's no, quote, cure, because it's, there's nothing to cure, it's essential for one's going forward and thriving yeah. in life. And yeah. I, I mean, there's so much to say. Obviously, life might not look the same as it had, but there is life there to be had. Yeah. Yeah. And just to reach out, really, just to, to, to have this personal experience of grief, but also to reach out when it gets too overwhelming. It's draining and exhausting, right? And not judging that, but also then knowing, I can't do this alone. Yeah, I need to be held right now. Mm. Yeah, and I think... Mm-hmm. No, just taking taking a pause, just thinking in my mind of just so many people who suffer so much and all the tragedy that is out there. Um, yeah. That I know that some of the pain seems like life will not be livable. Yeah. And it won't be the same, but there is life after loss. Yeah. Um. And I think it's it's just important to hold that hope. Yeah. Yeah, and I'd like to add that like there's a in addition to what you said earlier about thriving, I think there's a certain kind of enrichment of life that happens through the grieving process. I you know, mm-hmm. ironically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's like we we as human beings become deeper we become more textured with the imprint of life. We become more a mosaic of other people's influences. Like grieving allows us, I just feel, to experience more of the richness and the poignancy of life. Life is richer f- for me through the process of grief. There's just, there, it's just, I don't know how else yeah. to put it, it's richer. No, I, I, I agree. and. I'm also interested in something called post-traumatic growth, mm. which comes to mind. And we'll, we can have a whole, you know, we'll have a whole nother conversation about that sometimes perhaps would love to hear your thoughts. But yeah. the idea that not only is healing and grieving necessary, but can oftentimes serve as a catalyst for a profound awakening mm. to an emotional and spiritual transformation. Mm. So can you imagine that we all 
individuals, couples, families, and even our the collective, even the greater collective, even nations of this world, right? We have the capacity to heal yeah. and to grow. That's it. That's the end. That is really, that's it. That's a healing and growing is really kind of what we're talking about. You hear my little baby in the background? I do, <laughs> which is, <laughs> again, brings up so much about yeah. just, you know, life and, yeah. and um, the juxtaposition and um, really just, again, want to take a moment. This has been a really difficult year for, yeah. for me personally, um, you know, losing a friend mm. who was in the prime of her life yeah. and you know, just so much tragedy in the world going on every day. Mm. And just, you know, how do you feel? Can we take a moment to just kind of take a breath? Yeah. Okay. And inhale. Thank you so much, Morgan, yeah. for your help and all your support. Thank you. I enjoy our conversations and I'm really grateful for our connection. And I really am grateful you came on the show and we talked about this today. And I hope everyone, you got as much out of this as uh, Jen and I. If anyone has any questions or any um wants any ideas on referrals for bereavement, for grief, please, please don't hesitate. It would be my humble honor to um, help set someone up with the right um, person or people to, to speak with. Great. And everyone, I will put Jen's, both uh, well, her website and her contact information. You can connect with her through her website, but then also I will link up the uh Ram Das MP3 that I told you that Jen mentioned. So That's you can, brilliant. yeah, I recommend it too. You can download that and um, great. And Jen, also, can you just tell people how they? I will be linking up your website, but can you just tell us quickly about where people can find you? Sure, you can find me at my blog braincurves.com and. Best way to get me is shoot me an email, Dr. Wolkin, W-O-L-K-I-N, at braincurves.com, and we'll go from there. Cool, and I'll hyperlink your email address in the show notes as well, so you, people, you, everyone can write to you directly. All right, awesome. Thanks, Morgan. Thanks, Jen. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Dr. Jennifer Wolkin. If you want to learn more about Jen's work, head on over to the show notes and you can find those over at aboutmeditation.com forward slash podcast. I've linked up her website and also her email address and some of the other resources that we mentioned. And while you're over there, go ahead, if you haven't already, and pick up some of the free meditation resources that we offer. We give away several guided meditations, but also a three-part meditation seminar called Meditation for Life. So check those out. And if you enjoyed today's show, why don't you leave us a rating and a review over on iTunes? I can't tell you how much that helps us. It helps 
other meditators discover our show much more easily. And it tells iTunes that you love us. And when you tell iTunes that you love us, they like to tell the world that this is a good show. So if you enjoyed the show, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a, a star rating and a review. And you can do that at aboutmeditation.com forward slash iTunes. And let's wrap up today with a quote. And this one is from one of my favorite authors and inspirations, Ram Das, And he says about grief, It is important as we get older to learn how to grieve. Although this may sound self-evident, experience has taught me that it is not. In a culture that emphasizes stoicism and forward movement, in which time is deemed of the essence, and there's little toleration for slowness, inwardness, and melancholy, grieving, a healthy necessary aspect of life, is too often overlooked. As we get older, of course, and losses mount, the need for conscious grieving becomes more pronounced. Only by learning how to grieve can we hope to leave the past behind and come into the present moment. <laughs>